0: hello ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the armchair book and wrestling podcast i'm your host my name is steve Barber, and joining me is el jefe himself jwayland davis say hi jwayland
1: hey everybody
0: and yes he is wearing a shirt i can't see it but it actually says el jefe so that is going to be his name for the rest of the evening and tonight we are going to be discussing something that i don't think has really been discussed too much because we all well we always see like lists of these but we don't see how to, how do they actually affect the business but how do real life feuds or real life situations affect the wrestling business is it good for the business is it bad for the business is it kind of a mixture of both so i i think it's kind of an interesting subject what do you think waylon yeah i think so yep and especially since the podcast i heard today was actually talking about one one an actual fight that had, that happened backstage between uh Batista and King Booker and King Booker reminded Batista why he is the king
1: exactly yep
0: but he's not El Jefe (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) um before we start I do I do want to give a little bit of the results for the NWF I was not able to go to the show but I do know the young lady who we had on the show last week uh Riley Matthews she did not win the NWF Women's Revolution title uh, she won the match, but it was by disqualification over Swallow okay. and Selena Dean. And you know, some of the other matches, I wasn't able to get all the results yet. I need to go back and watch the Bustin' Loose, but it looked like a pretty good show, and I forgot that they do that outdoors. So hopefully once the temperature starts dropping up here in Ohio, because it's not exactly known for being warm during the wintertime. Yeah. You know, yeah, so once the temperature starts dropping, hopefully they can find an indoor venue there to go to. You know, so that'd be a shame if they couldn't do the, the matches up there because they've been drawing some pretty good crowds and everybody's been loving seeing them. You know, so, and before I really get started, I also want to go ahead and tell our contact and listening info. If you'd like to get a hold of us, it's uh, by just by email, it's armchairbookingpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at slash so armchairbooking. You find us on Instagram at arm, armchairbooking. You find us on Twitter at bookingarmchair. We have a YouTube channel. We You could, Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Play, and last but not least, people who host us Block Talk Radio. And just Google our name, and you can find us on all sorts of other third-party sites as well. And I believe I got everything. Dwayne?
1: Yeah. Once again, you got it all.
0: Cool. See, and you know, becoming older today, it hasn't apparently hasn't <laughs> affected my memory too much. So, um, but. And can you think of any wrestling news that's happened in the past few days?
1: Not really. It's been actually pretty quiet other than uh Rick Flair showing up at the NWA pay per view. Right. Yeah, but which was he put over really, I mean, he put over WWE, which was classy on his part considering Yes how, it was. You know, how, you know how they let him out. How they let him go, I mean, but Other than that, really, nothing major has happened.
0: And Baron Corbin is now rich again.
1: Yeah. That's obviously part of the storyline. Huh? Now he's happy Corbin. He's happy Corbin.
0: I liked him better poor. I mean, I hate to say that. Yeah. It was actually a pretty endearing character. Everybody was kind of pulling for him. Yeah. Now he's pulling up on a Bentley. Uh, yeah it's kind of hard to cheer for you know that yeah yeah uh but it is what it is and as far as our topic tonight when we start talking about personal feuds with people uh joel and you're a lot more level-headed than i am and you always have been so it actually would not surprise me if you tell me you've never actually had a personal feud with anybody
1: Uh, i wish i could say that but i uh I wish I could say I never have, but I
0: have. Oh yeah. I, actually I could think of one that you had. It was uh I'm just I'll just say it was fairly recently. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um yeah, those those things unfortunately kind of happen. Yeah. Um but when it comes to like work feuds, and obviously, you know, you don't have to go into details, but like I said, you've always been very level-headed as long as I've known you.
1: And I can think of, I've never really had any work feuds. There's been some people that have, you know, obviously it's gotten on my nerves, but I've never really gotten into it with anybody at work. I've always kind of, always kind of keep to myself and just do, you know, just do my work and go home. So
0: Right. And unfortunately, I wish I could say that, <laughs> but um, I think that that is one of the things, uh, I guess if you want to say it's a negative about being in the military, is you work with the same people and sometimes you also live with the same people and so you never really get away from them. So you you can see a lot of friction that could build up Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and, but I'll be honest with you, you know, some of the people I met in the military, obviously may have been some of the best friends, you know, like lifelong friends, Um, but then there's others. Yeah. You know, something happened along the way. Um, Like when say, for example, they had some visitors come in, like, the chaplain from the Air Intelligence Agency, and they always say, "Hey, if you ever need anything, just let me know." And, and just maybe a certain female airman said, "Yes, Airman Barbers harassing me. He won't leave me alone." Right there to the chaplain, and next oh, thing wow. now, everybody bombards me and says, "What's going on with you and Airman So and So?" I was like, "What?" It was a personal situation. Um. Between myself and this female, and no, and no, we did not have a relationship. If anybody's wondering that, no, I was not harassing her at all. And it was more, you know, she was around quite a bit because of someone she was dating at the time. Right. And I had noticed some things, and me just trying to look out for my friend had pointed out some inconsistencies. Gotcha. And. But I tried to keep it out of work. I'm like, that's outside of work. Yeah. But she brought it in work after. Like (laughs) after that, I said, you know what? It's on now. You brought it up here. You know. But that was a case of a personal situation that had actually made its way into the workplace. Yeah. And in wrestling, we've seen that. I don't want to say a lot, but I mean a a fair bit enough that we're going to do a show based on it.
1: Yeah. There's been there if you sit down and think about it there's been more than there's been more than a few that have spilled over into, you know has spilled over into the business side of things that started out a personal issue
0: right and i think one of the um, one of the big, biggest examples because i actually looked for lists on this today and almost every single site that i went to for their number one had bret hart and Shawn michaels yeah and if you don't know about the montreal Screwdriver and all the events that led up to it go ahead pause this go look it up and get back with us in the meantime joel and i are we're going to move on
1: You are because
0: right. <laughs> um, we're not going to sit there and, and beat that to death again but the animosity had gotten to the point where i mean they were getting physical outside the ring with each other
1: yeah I mean, they got physical backstage, like think in the, in the parking garage at at an arena one time. And it was just like, they just despised each other. Yeah. And And you can tell in their matches, I I feel like in their matches that were a lot more physical than they normally would have been.
0: We'll we'll call it snug.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And Brett's actually talked about that later on he said if he and Sean could have put their egos in check, they could have had some of the greatest matches ever which they had Absolutely. they had great matches yes yeah. I mean and I get where Brett was always saying Sean's trying to make it all about the business all about him and then Sean of course is saying Brett's a big hypocrite. I actually see both sides of that because the undertaker at one point they had a meeting with um well a whole bunch of them and brett was saying something about him losing about his character and undertaker said look you know something something it's not all about you everything doesn't revolve around you so brett you know of course had to put his ego in check at times because of that but in that case it did make well and this was when the internet, I don't want to say as necessarily as infancy, but the internet wrestling community was just starting to grow. Yeah. And hearing about all that, do you think it made the matches more intriguing knowing that these guys really do not like each other?
1: Oh, absolutely. Because I know any time that I saw them wrestle each other knowing how much they disliked each other in real life so to speak i was always waiting for somebody to go into business for himself and take you know just have had enough and just kind of take it a little too far in the ring you always kind of were waiting for that to happen with those two thankfully they were both professional enough it never went that far but You could just feel that tension, just them standing across the ring from each other. It wasn't a normal wrestling storyline tension. This was real life stuff. You could feel, you could look at them and tell that if given half a chance, they would have tore the other's head off.
0: Yeah. And Brett, well, he did take part of Sean's head, or it's his hair anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and he I guess he gave it to Sean because then Sean walked in with his hair in his hand to Vince and said, I can't work under these conditions. Yeah. And you know, Sean so-
1: Michaels. Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler of all time. But as we all know, there's two different Sean. There's in wrestling, there was two different Sean Michaels. There was the pre-back injury. In the after, the pre-back injury, Shawn Michaels that had all the animosity with Bret Hart, could be a crybaby about things if he didn't get his way.
0: He lost his smile.
1: Yeah, I mean you saw that with when he feuded with when he had that little mini feud with Vader over the title. Vader was supposed to win that, but Shawn didn't like that Vader. Vader wrestled snug, and you know, gotten the right person's ear backstage and got it got it changed to where he would retain the title. And it's like you're in a physical, you're it's a physical contact sport. It's like you're going to you're gonna get hit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. But and you know, Sean always complained to the higher ups anytime anybody was a little rough with him and it's like I guess he I, t- I feel like he forgot what what uh what he did for a living
0: exactly and yes so, the, so those particular matches uh up uh, obviously you know the last one being the Montreal uh screw job you know Survivor series 97 they had some good match and really they didn't have that many matches that's the strange thing if you think about it
1: no because they did their the, on that i feel like both of them basically just refused to work with each other unless they absolutely had to
0: right and now some of the other i'm trying to think of some of the other ones just right off the top of my head in fact there's one that's brewing i don't know if you've seen this matt riddle also known as just riddle he -hmm. like he likes running his mouth like yeah for real
1: yeah he likes running his mouth a whole lot
0: and uh Apparently, he just said some stuff about Roman Reigns. He said that if they got into a fight, like a real shoot fight, he would take out Roman Reigns.
1: Yeah, I saw that um, because he he took offense to Roman saying that and Roman was in character when when Roman's doing interviews now, he's in his head of the table character doing interviews. And he said that he was. The reason that the needle was moving as far as you know ratings went he's not wrong i mean you look at the smackdown ratings and the raw ratings they're night and day exactly. and roman's a huge reason why you know that needle is moving on smackdown because he's he's perfected this heel character so much that people are paying to see somebody knock him off the pedestal
0: hmm and Riddle, who has already had some animosity towards another uh, wrestler. Yeah. You know, and that being Goldberg. You know, I, I don't know who I'd want to make mad the least, Goldberg or Roman Reigns.
1: My thing is with, with Riddle and his issue with Goldberg, I understand where he's coming from. I feel like just, but mouthing about it is not going to endear you to anybody. It's because you're kind, he's still, even though he has a lot of wrestling experience, he's still, as far as WWE goes, he's still the new guy. So they're not going to listen to, they're not going to take what you have to say seriously. They're just going to think you're just this young kid popping off at the mouth about you know top guys
0: right and they could tell him, look right now you're the guy with all the potential yeah you're not the guy though yet you you yeah. haven't hit that superstar status yet it doesn't matter if randy orton has become his mentor and is trying to uh lead him uh, to uh, to greatness yeah he's got to stop running his mouth. Of course, Randy Orton used to like running his mouth once upon a time, too. Yeah,
1: And I think it's just a maturity thing, too. Because oh, yeah. uh, it's like you said with Orton, Orton was the same way, and now you can tell Orton's finally matured, and he's, he doesn't fool with any of that trash-talking mess as far as trying to start stuff with other wrestlers.
0: Right. And... I can't think of, I I know there's going to be more. I just drew a blank because I know there's been other wrestlers who like to pop off at the mouth. Uh, Oh, actually, you know what? Somebody like a Buff Bagwell. Yeah. He liked to run his mouth, but unfortunately for him, they weren't going to pay uh, to see Buff. It wasn't actually helping anything. They just, he had that that bad heat. Um, Yeah. The people didn't want to work with him because they're like, this dude's kind of a jerk.
1: Yeah. Yep. Bagwell was always a, he was a good athlete but he was nowhere near as good of a wrestler as he thought he was. He thought he was a lot more um how do you put it he valuable he was a lot more important yeah to the shows yeah valuable yeah
0: over there we go yeah good wrestling and, terminology there over
1: when the, you know, when he first started doing the the buff daddy stuff, he got over. I'll give him that. But that's all he had. Because his in-ring work was just basic. Mm-hmm. And then he hadn't, like, he started out with all this potential when he was a young guy coming in. But he never grew as far as his in-ring work. He built a good character for himself. But he never, he never evolved the in ring work to to match the level of the character. So it's like all the outside little skits were funny, but then the bell rang, and then you get a boring match every time.
0: Yep, because I I can never say I got really excited over a Buff Bagwell or or Marcus Alexander Bagwell uh, match either and even though actually the first time i saw him it was actually a little intriguing because i don't know if uh, you remember there was someone who we went to high school with he actually told me he was related to him but well, he told me he he had a cousin down in georgia named marcus who was uh he would who was um becoming a wrestler and this is before he hit it big right
1: you know
0: so um yeah and I, i won't reveal the name on here just you know just in case you know, just for to respect someone's right. privacy, right. um, but he told me that, and then later on he'd be like, "Huh, I remember so and so. Yeah, he told me about him. Okay, you know, cool." Um, but when Marcus Bagwell he had heat with Shane Helms, and they got into a fight backstage, and you know that didn't really help elevate anybody, just like the personal fight between. Arn Anderson and Sid Vicious when they got all yeah. sta- when they got all stabby with each other over in England.
1: Yeah, that didn't help either <laughs> of them. It just no. got it got Sid fired and it got and Arn almost lost his life. Yes. I mean, that's all that that's what they accomplished with that fight. So
0: all right. So so basically it almost seems like there's a balance in that for every for every real life feud or fight that actually brings people into watch all of a sudden you have something like that where are people really going to see them uh, you would you want to see Sid and Arn in the ring over a fight because i mean i don't even think they they don't look like they would have any chemistry together anyway
1: and we no. know how good
0: and we know how good arn is i mean he's one of yeah. the best technicians ever
1: yeah and sid can sid can have a good match if sid's motivated Sid kind of sid was like the Brock Lesnar prototype. Yes. It, except Brock was you know Brock is a better athlete always has been than Sid. But both of them if if you could keep them motivated, you could get good work out of them.
0: Yes, if it's not softball season, Sid's there.
1: Yes, yeah, Sid's there, but if it's softball season, season, oh forget Zeele it, everybody has gone.
0: Now granted if one I understand he is like world class level softball player.
1: That's that's what I've always heard, yeah. but he would just vanish on promoters when softball season came, like, with no notice. He would just no-show events because he was playing softball. Yeah, it
0: must be a softball tournament there in, in, in West Memphis. <laughs> so, <laughs> man, you can catch him there. Can't miss him, the big, you know, six-foot-nine guy with the ramen on top of his head. Yeah. That, that's him. But. <laughs> But some of the other, another real life one though that I think did actually draw people to watch and I think this is also another case of Vince seeing something in real life happening, let's make it a storyline was the whole love triangle between yes. Matt Hardy, Lita, and Edge.
1: Yes. They, and, I mean, they still botched it, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, it it was, it started out as, you know, The foundation for an amazing feud is like, you know, Edge and Matt Hardy are, you know, great friends. Matt's dating Lita. Matt's out hurt. Lita and Edge are traveling together. Next thing you know, they're getting together. And then Matt finds out. And then what, what always killed me though was like, I always liked Leda. Nothing against Leda, but she got mad because I felt like she got mad because Matt got upset because, <laughs> and it's like, come on now! It's like you you cannot expect this man to not get upset when he finds out you're cheating with one of his best friends. Yeah.
0: So not just the cheating part, but yeah. it was one of his best friends who exactly. had also just gotten married.
1: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: And that whole thing, because uh, when I saw Matt Hardy had, had legitimately gotten fired from the WWE because mm-hmm. of the, uh, the post, I think you've made it on a blog. He
1: yeah. did. I couldn't believe that either. It's like, he's the one that got done wrong. And then because he said something about it, he gets fired.
0: Right. And so once again, he's being done wrong. But now when he came back, I thought that was a great angle because you didn't know. Okay, is he really jumping over that rail and going in there and just pounding yeah. on it? Because he, you could see somebody doing that. I would do that. Yeah. It, you know, you get in there and boom, 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 and then
1: and then uh, run. Yeah, and
0: then run. I mean
1: shots, and then I'm gonna take off.
0: Yeah, and and I'll be back one day to get you again
1: oh, before security can grab me.
0: Yeah. And
1: exactly. I'm gonna keep coming. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, when you least expect it, I'm going to be there. Yep. And that one was one of those. That's why I thought it was so good, because you didn't know where the lines were between uh, fiction and reality. And like you said, though, they botched it up because it just kind of fizzled.
1: Yeah, because they 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 always saw main event status for Edge. So that was always going to be the one he, that they pushed. And really, and like, honestly, for me, if I'm picking one of the two Hardy brothers to push to the main event, I'm going to push Matt over Jeff.
0: Yeah, Matt's more level-headed, always has been.
1: Well, Matt's more level-headed. He's got a amazing mind, creative mind for wrestling. And his promo works better. Yes. Jeff's never been a good promo. Matt's a match an actually really good pro wrestler. Jeff is not that good of a wrestler. He like I said, his claim, well, I've said it before, his claim to fame is jumping off of the highest thing he can find. And I mean, that worked when he was in his 20s, but I mean, you're in your mid 40s now, and mm-hmm. you can tell every move he does is killing him.
0: Which could lead him to getting back on painkillers again.
1: Unfortunately. Yeah, was, unfortunately yeah and but but matt should have won that feud with edge because yes. he was the he was the wronged party and somehow they switched it to where matt was the bad guy and edge was the one being done wrong and it's just i never understood how they could they had it all laid out right there in their hands and they just mm-hmm. messed it
0: and even though I'm not a big fan of the way Vince does that, when they do bring a lot of real life stuff into the storylines, because some things they just needed to stay away from, they just leave yes. it alone. You know, because some of the stuff I thought was kind of tasteless, like when they started talking about uh, Reed Flair. And, yeah, I didn't like that uh, at all. Who, I mean, uh, yeah. And Rick Flair was pretty upset about that because they didn't consult him beforehand. Beth Flair. Was upset, yeah. same thing, you yeah. know, because they didn't consult, they, they didn't consult Reed's parents, you know, yeah. if it's okay to use their deceased son as part of a, uh, an interview or, or a, prom- a promo.
1: Yeah. And Paige was upset because Paige didn't want to do it.
0: Right. But she, and was
1: told, she was told she had to.
0: And that one, like I said, always felt just uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm glad they didn't go too far with it. But with Jeff Hardy and his drug use, of course, that also led to another real life feud with CM Punk.
1: Yep. Yep. Two two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got straight edge over here and you've got indulgence over here.
0: Right. And you're, and really, and not just a little bit either on either, either. No,
1: just all the way on each end. Yeah, and like the the feud with them was one of the best feuds that year. It was probably the feud that year. Um, but you could tell when they cut their promos, that was one of the that was one of those cases though where the real life animosity actually helped the business. Right. It got. I feel like it got more eyes on the SmackDown product. It got more eyes on the title. So they were feuding over the world heavyweight title and the world heavyweight title. A lot of times, pretty much if Triple H wasn't holding it, the world heavyweight title was always considered to be the secondary title. And by them feuding Mm -hmm. over it with their real life animosity and views at the forefront, it made that title seem important. As it should, because it wasn't it was important.
0: And all that was actually before uh, Jeff went to TNA and the the Victory Road incident. Yeah. And I think CM Punk, he probably was trying to get Jeff help. However, CM Punk, his way of helping somebody out is to yell at him. Yeah. (laughs) And, And that doesn't always work. You know, everybody's different. Some people respond to that. Jeff apparently did not. Yeah. And because Jeff was trying to do all the drugs.
1: Yeah. Everything he'd get his hands on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, that looks like a drug. Yeah, I'll do it. Let me try that out. Yeah. And, you know, of course now it kind of makes you wonder because Jeff, he's fallen off the wagon, you know, so many times. And unfortunately, I think that's another thing with a public figure like that. When you live under a microscope, everything you do is going to be known to everybody. Yeah. And, and of course, drug addiction or really any kind of addiction is one of the things that people who've never had any kind of addiction, maybe they don't understand how hard it is sometimes. Yeah. You know, because I can tell you, and this may seem mild compared to some things, but I mean, I smoked for the better part of 29 years.
1: Yeah.
0: And for me to say now I've actually gone five years without smoking, you know, um, I mean, think about that because I mean, the whole, when you met me, even in high school, I was smoking and yeah you know, every time. So, I mean, I was known for being a smoker, but now I'm not. So, but that's mild compared to a lot of the stuff that Jeff was doing. I, I never got arrested for smoking. Right. Whereas
1: Jeff I, and I-, I, never, I never got arrested for drinking, but it is, you know, it's a very hard thing to, once you start, you don't even really think about it when you first start, especially for me, when you first start drinking, it's like, Oh, you know, I have a few here, a few there, be fine. And then the next thing you know, it's kind of got a hold of you. And then you're like, "Uh oh, (laughs) yeah, it took, it took alcohol poisoning for me to stop. And I've been, let me think, 20 years sober this, uh, in February, it was 20 years. I've been sober. Awesome.
0: Uh, it's been eight and a half years since I actually had a beer or any kind of drink at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as um like not being drunk I mean, it's been obviously been a lot longer than that you know probably about 10 years I'd have to say um because I can't even think the last time it's it's been a long time you know and I think that's one of the things thankfully if I could say it's been so long I don't remember that's probably a good one yeah yeah but with CM Punk with the straight edge and for him that's not a gimmick I mean I think that's one of the reasons why CM Punk has become so good is because he puts it out there i mean he's not uh, faking None, nothing he's doing is part of a character i mean that's really him
1: that's how he lives his life every day
0: and being like that and people a lot of people don't like honesty now granted he can be a little
1: he can be a little preachy
0: a little preachy yeah um i don't you know i don't think it means any harm But no,
1: I think he's trying I think he's honestly trying to help. I think that's just how he comes across because he's passionate he's passionate about being straight edge. So I think for some people that passion comes off as preachy.
0: Right. And I would have to say we could actually have a we could have a list of just people CM Punk has had personal beef with. Yeah. Uh, Of course, right now, I'd say his personal beef is, you just might as well say it's Vince McMahon. Yeah. And or Triple H. Yeah.
1: You
0: know, whoever was really responsible for that implosion that they had when CM Punk left.
1: Well, CM... uh, Shawn Michaels could be added to that, too, because him and Triple H, I think, were both... Both of them were, like, uh, I don't see anything special about CM Punk. Like when he when they hired him from Ring of Honor and he first came in, they're like, I don't really see anything in this guy. I don't think he's gonna, he's gonna amount to much and all this stuff. And of course, you know, each of them had their pick of guys. You know, Triple H was solidly behind Sheamus. Sar Michaels was solidly behind Drew McIntyre. And which Drew McIntyre ended up being a great professional wrestler, but I think Drew, I feel like Punk had already, you know, he had already worked independence. He had worked overseas. He had already done his time. And I think a lot of their issue with him is that he knew how good he was and he wasn't going to be Told that he wasn't good. Makes sense, and because he done because he had done the work, you know, he had put in the long hours and the long flights and the the injuries and whatever. And I feel like he was just like, and I also think it looked like like you came looking for me. I didn't come looking for you. So obviously, you saw something that you liked because. You offered me a contract. I didn't come looking for work.
0: Right. And here's the funny thing about the relationship between him and Mr. Levesque. They both have the same philosophy when it comes to straight edge stuff, more or less. Triple H is, he's a teetotaler. Yeah. He's never taken a drink in his life. And he'd be the first one to tell you he's never drank. He's never smoked. He's never done drugs. He's been, he was all about, you know, weightlifting and things like that. So you would think that him and, and CM Punk would actually see eye to eye on that, but apparently they must not discuss that.
1: Yeah. They probably don't. Because <laughs> I know Punk was I know um you know Punk wanted the main event of WrestleMania. I for one thought that he should have been the main event of WrestleMania at some point. You know if the Miz can be the main event of WrestleMania, then CM Punk sure deserve, you know had put in the work to be the main event of WrestleMania. Well, that 2014, you know, Punk did the Rumble, left the next day because he found out that part of part of his, well, I don't know if it's part of his leaving, but I know he flat out refused was the WrestleMania match that they were going to give him was him and Triple H. And he's like, I don't need that match. That match is not gonna do anything for me. And so they were, you know, Vince was pretty mad about that. And so was Triple H that, cause you know, they build it up like the Triple H match is the match to have at WrestleMania. And that hasn't been the case in years.
0: No, not for a long time. His matches have, have been the longest. Yeah. And I mean, and that's actually, that's not me exaggerating. I mean, you look at, uh, you go to any of the Wikipedia pages where they actually have the times of matches listed out and Triple H's match matches have been the longest for like four or five straight yep. WrestleMania's. Mm-hmm. And yep. that's not even included in the entrances.
1: No. Yeah, that's just bell to bell.
0: Right. And with those entrances... You know, his interest is always taking a long time. Now, granted, his interests are pretty cool looking, not going to lie. Yeah, they're pretty
1: cool. It's like, you know, once again, the part-time guy Mm -hmm. gets the elaborate entrance over a full-time guy that's worked all year to get to that point. Right. (laughs) Yep.
0: And, yeah, Triple H has a lot of influence, and and I do think he has a patch for the business, but he's another one. He seems to kind of rub people the wrong way with CM Punk just being one of those Triple H and Goldberg, they've had their issues Uh, and then you and Triple H, there's been some other people as well because Triple H, Hunter Hearst-Helmsley, Paul Levesque uh, whatever name he wants to go by his legal name obviously being Paul Levesque and that's his actual chief operating officer name that person is almost ambitious to a fault Yes. and I would have to agree with Jim Cornette, who Jim Cornette's another one. Where we could run a long list of people he's had <laughs> heat with. We
1: could do we could do a month worth of shows just who Jim Cornette has had heat with.
0: Yes, uh, I think the one of the latest ones being Santina Morella. I'm still trying uh, to yeah. put my uh, I'm trying to wrap my head around that one. And sorry, Jim, not that you're listening, I don't think you would win that fight. No, I really don't, <laughs> but it just well, and it's like,
1: I'm surprised that he got away with slapping Santino yeah. because it's like, you know, it's not like Jim Cornette's this imposing physical guy that, you know, c- could really take that hit if Santino wanted to fight back. Right.
0: And yeah, <laughs> but Jim Cornette, he always said, Triple H isn't the main event guy. Triple H is the guy who works with the main event guy. And that's how he gets himself over. Yeah. and
1: Especially early 2000s, I was, you know, a big Triple H fan. But he's absolutely right. Triple H was never, it didn't matter how they positioned him, you know. He always did good work. But he was never the main event guy. He just he was positioned to be in there with the top guys, which made him look like a top guy.
0: Right. And of course, Triple H, I don't really want to know if I want to call this a a personal feud. And there was some very obvious animosity between him and China when they broke up. Yeah. But that's more of an unfortunate situation than anything else.
1: Yeah. Luckily, they didn't drag that into storyline I mean I feel that they they did China dirty because they basically just took her off TV even though she was the women's champion they took her off TV and took her off the road once she found out about Triple H and Stephanie and was pretty vocal about the fact that she had found out so it's like okay so they did you wrong but we're going to punish you for it
0: right and Apparently there's a kind of a pattern there.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like the ones that they favor. They will twist the narrative to paint them as the sympathetic character and the person who's actually been wrong. They'll make them the, they'll make them the bad guy in the story.
0: Uh, and, and somehow they've been getting away with it. Well, maybe that's why their ratings keep dropping too. Cause people just aren't buying it.
1: Yeah. Cause people are fig- people have figured it out. You know, yeah, We figured it out a long time ago and then, you know, other people have figured it out and it's like, no, nah, that's just, that's not how real life works. But I, I, I get you got, you have to dispel some, you know, there's, there's some, you know, there's some disbelief that you have to have going in mm-hmm. to pro wrestling, you know, but that only gets you to a point, And it's like, you can't, you can't say that somebody that got cheated on is the bad guy in your story.
0: Right, and and, and they be been the
1: situation in the world. The person that the person that got cheated on is the baby face, so to speak. They're the you know they're the sympathetic character, not not the bad guy over here that did the cheating.
0: And you know they're not the first ones to do this. They and obviously they're probably not going to be the last either, because and I'll bring this up even though we already know the very. Uh, just tragic ending the situation between Kevin Sullivan and Crispin Y over Nancy. Yes. She was married to Kevin and kind of the same situation as, um, edge and Lita, except for Kevin Sullivan actually had them traveling together. And then that led into them.
1: Well, yeah, they, that, this is gonna be this is gonna sound mean. I apologize to any listeners who disagree. Kevin Sullivan booked his own divorce. He did. He booked he absolutely he, did. He, he booked he was the one, it was his idea to because he was, you know, he had the feud with Benoit, and it was his idea as the booker to ramp up the feud by having uh there be this mystery of where you know, of who was woman with. So he had, he booked them. He told them travel together. They were at the whole same hotel. He booked them at the same hotels, everything. They were supposed to be together all the time on the road. what do you think was going to happen?
0: Right. And I'm pretty sure, you know, even if he thought there was a chance to get divorced, I don't think anybody in a million years would have guessed uh, what would have happened uh, later on. No. You know, and I'm quite sure, you know, he didn't have that in mind. Uh, no. Because I don't have you have you seen some of the interviews or heard some of the interviews where he's actually talked about it. Yeah. And I mean, and, and it is, you know, pretty sad. You can I mean, you can hear kind of the remorse in his voice that yeah. I mean, he, he did. He did care for and he actually stays in contact with her parents. But I don't really think that drew i mean it definitely got attention to wrestling it wasn't positive
1: attention no it was no it was not it was just and and looking back on how things happened it's like if you go back and watch any of that stuff now it's just really uncomfortable to watch
0: yes and that's why i really don't want to watch any WCW with them on there uh because once once he went to wwf at the time uh nancy didn't really join him in the the ring so to speak
1: no she no she was she was out of the spotlight by then
0: right but but that was a a case of where the real life feud turned tragic and edge and matt hardy they actually get along now they're back as friends apparently now
1: yeah yeah they're back as friends um that could have done a lot of, you know. That could have done good for the business as far as if the feud had been booked correctly, but we both know it wasn't. So it really right. didn't. It didn't do anything for either guy because Edge was going. Matt was. Matt was always going to be a mid card guy in Vincent McMahon's eyes. Edge was always going to be a main event guy, even if they had never feuded. Right. How it was going to be. So that feud didn't help either one of them. Really, it just brought, it just aired their dirty laundry for the world to see.
0: And here's actually something kind of funny, because we've been mentioning men. And there's kind of a stereotype that says, okay, women just don't get a long period. And obviously, you know, we see men fighting and, but when it comes to the women wrestlers, because I've heard there was some animosity. Well, it was more one-sided. I actually, read this today. Apparently, China was not a fan of Trish Stratus, and because she basically was like uh, Trish didn't earn her way in here. She was part of the Diva Search. Well, Trish Stratus was actually a legitimate athlete as well. I mean, and obviously yeah. China was a very legit athlete. Yeah, but. But China didn't like out because China had actually worked her way through, I guess, some independence and was discovered yeah. by, yeah, you know, Triple H and all them.
1: Who was uh, the trained by Kowalski.
0: Right. And she didn't like Trish, but then Trish never had a bad word to say about China. So that was more of a one sided thing.
1: Yeah. But uh, I'm trying to think uh, Fabulous Moolah and Wendy Richter. That got real. Yeah, that got that got real fast, and that was that was all on Mula. Yeah, it was who, who we found out you know over the last few years was honestly not a pretty, good person, pretty, pretty terrible human being.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I mean, um, just
0: you almost want to refer to her as Madam Mula.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, just. When I first started hearing those stories and I'm like, how do you do the trainer? You know, how do you do your trainees like that? Just, you know, you know. Proposition these male wrestlers and it's like, I'm going to offer you my trainee in exchange for, you know, whatever. And it's like. These women trust you and this is how you treat them.
0: And the whole thing with her and Wendy Richter and this is a case of the, the, uh, what we're now calling the original screw job we didn't start calling it that until a few years after the Montreal screw job. Yeah. And I think that, w- that may have been more of a case of something that happened in the ring that found its way into a, a, a kind of a bitter feud, you know, on Wendy Richter's part, which I mean, to be honest with you, I can't blame her.
1: Yeah, and a lot of the thing is Vince McMahon was at the center of it because mm-hmm. Wendy was Wendy was the champion, but Mula and if Mula was getting Mula was still getting paid three times as much as any other woman on the roster, including Wendy Richter, who was, who had been the champion for a while, and Wendy went to talk to Vince you know, she wanted a uh, pay raise. Of course, you know, Vince was like, you know, basically, absolutely not. We can't do that, blah, 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 blah. And so then Vince gets the, you know, Vince gets the idea, well, Wendy's not Wendy's not going to want to do business when it comes time to drop the title back to Moolah, which Wendy Richter has gone on record. She's like, I would have done whatever they asked me to do. Right. Now that's part that's part of the job. But so Vince, you know, did the screw job thing and had, you know the spider lady. Yeah, Moola be the spider lady and pin Wendy Richter, even though her shoulder was up at like before the first before the one count, and they just kept counting. And then they said Wendy Wendy Richter was so mad that she didn't even change out of her ring gear. She left, she just grabbed her bag, left the arena. And that was it for like 20 years.
0: And I don't, I don't know if there's any video of it. I'll have to look, but I do remember seeing the pictures of this when it happened. And I saw it in the magazines and it was said then, Oh, you know, this um, Mula dressed herself up like the spider lady and tricked Wendy Richter and now this, of course, they didn't mention yeah, you know, Richter's shoulder was up and and yeah. all that. Um yeah. and they they did have pictures of Richter ripping the mask off of her. Now that and then you come to find out here it is, you know, 40 years later almost that that was real. She really yeah. did attack her to pull her mask off to see who it was.
1: Yeah, because yeah, Mula was gonna take the title and run out of the ring. And Richter grabbed her and was like, Oh no, you're not mm-hmm. going anywhere.
0: And if I look here, you know, old lady, because at this point, Moolah had to be in her sixties. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, she had held that late fifties, early
1: sixties. I know she won the women's title from Ivory, and she was in her she was in her seventies, and that was like in ninety nine when she beat Ivory. So wow, okay, so late fifties. Yeah. I think she was late seventies when she beat Ivory. So,
0: <laughs> but there's been a, some animosity apparently lately between Miss Bliss. Don't want to say the name because mm-hmm. then, then both yeah. of our echoes will go off. <laughs> yeah, but her and Sasha, Sasha Banks.
1: Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm honestly me myself. I'm not really sure. Where the honor, animosity stems from?
0: Um, from what I was reading today, Sasha came up the hard way through, you know, some of the independents, and she had been wrestling yeah. for a little bit. You know, um, she had been the women's champion um at one of the smaller um indies. I mean, not as small as like the NWF small, but somewhere between that and like Ring of Honor. Right, uh, you know, it's probably on the level of like a pro wrestling gorilla or something like that. Gotcha. Okay. You know, so, so it's known, but if you had to name all the companies, this one you might forget to name. Right, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, but she had come up there before she went to NXT and before she got into the main roster, whereas Miss Bliss had, you know, she was she was a legit athlete. Don't get me wrong.
1: Yeah.
0: But she started. In the developmental, when it was still Florida Championship Wrestling, and then went from there, right. And so apparently Sasha had some animosity at her for that. You know, uh, from that I don't, I don't understand that mentality because it doesn't matter I mean, where you I, came from.
1: Yeah, I don't get that, and I mean, I could, I could see if it was one of those cases where, like mid-2000s when John Laurinaitis was hiring all the fitness models and not a, not a single one of them could really wrestle, you know, ever got to be a credible wrestler. They were just there to be, you know, eye candy. But Miss Bliss has worked her tail off to be a, a good wrestler. Therefore, you know, that's how that's how developmental works. You come in green. And you work your way up. And there for a little
0: bit, just a couple years ago, I mean, I know you and I had texted each other about this. I said at the time, she was the best hill in the company. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, she had you just like not liking her. Yeah, like you wanted her to get beat and you're like...
1: You were willing to pay to see her get mm -hmm. beat up.
0: And you because you also knew she was good. Yeah. Because her Twisted Bliss move, I think, is one of the best finishing moves out there. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um. Now the only drawback it is a, a move you have to do at the top rope. That's why it's not the perfect finishing move, but it's still one of the top ones easily. Yeah. And so for Sasha so to not like her, I don't know if that's just her being catty.
1: Um, I kind of, I kind of feel like it is. That's that's kind of. I feel like it's one of those of Sasha being Sasha.
0: I think I <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but one another one, though, and I'm pretty sure you could already tell uh, what the root cause of this is. Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, that was because you could, that was one of those whenever they were in the ring together, that tension mm-hmm. was so thick. And For me, like, Ronda was just, I was excited when she first came in. Yeah. You know, because I liked her in UFC, and, you know, of course she's, you know, legit athlete, you know, legit tough human being. Yes. Uh, But she came in, and I feel like that it quickly went to her head, and... Especially when Survivor Series, when the fans started booing her, she did not know how to react to that. Yeah, she, she didn't. And the thing is, it's like you could see like the mask started to slip. Like because before this, she was the you know she was the grinning baby face, and you know everybody was cheering her and everything. And as soon as she as soon as they started to boo her, she got upset, her, legitimately upset. And then, like, she was throwing shade at the fans and the other women backstage. And I think Becky was like, no, all of us have worked hard to get to the positions that we're in while you were handed everything when you walked in the door.
0: Yep. And and actually, I think Miss Bliss told her the best. And we we could kind of tell that this was not just something wrote down in a script. When she called her the overhyped rookie.
1: Yeah. And yeah. that's
0: essentially what she was. She was a rookie.
1: Yeah, she was a rookie. And she. I think she walked in with this mentality. is like, okay, I've done all this in mixed martial arts. That's fine. But I think she walked in thinking that, because, you know, Lesnar didn't mix martial arts, but Lesnar had also wrestled here mm-hmm. and in Japan and and then did mixed martial arts and then came back. Rhonda's done mixed martial arts and then she walked in the door and they handed her the world because they were trying to ride the coattails of her name recognition. And I mean...
0: It was lasted got, for a little bit. Yeah. You know, it, it lasted about as long as what you can ride somebody just on name recognition alone especially yeah. for someone who's just coming into the sport, you know, or yeah. into the industry or business, whatever you want to call it. And yeah. in her case, with her being legitimate, you know, it was able to ride for a few months and then it started. Able to,
1: I feel like it was able to go until she started coming up against real competition. Right. When they put her in the ring with bliss and Sasha and Becky and Charlotte that's when that, that's when that mystique started to fall apart because it's like you've got these great wrestlers over here and then even though they carried her to great matches like her match with Sasha at the Royal Rumble was an absolute amazing match mm-hmm Rhonda did her part, but Sasha carried that match.
0: Basically, it was a Sasha match.
1: Exactly. Uh, And Rhonda has just her ego got in her way. I think she could have stayed and gotten really good at it, but the first, you know, first sign of trouble and she leaves like she was mad because she was going to have to drop the title. You were always going to. They were. They were always going to crown Becky at WrestleMania. Yes, Becky was always going to win that title because it was stupid. It would have been stupid business wise not to put the belt not to put the belt on Becky
0: because she's so over. She's still over.
1: She's still over. Even the and side. You know, little side note. Their plan to turn Becky heel is exactly like you said. It is not working. Yeah. got some halish stuff in her promo on on uh smackdown and got and every word she said got cheered yeah she's she's at austin level where it's not gonna make a difference what she does fans love her they're going to cheer for her
0: right they have been waiting for a year and a half for her to come back
1: yeah why would they
0: exactly I mean, she could walk in there and say, oh, your are every single one of y'all, y'all's breath smells like cat turds and yeah. they'll still cheer. They'll, yeah, be, they'll be digging yeah. up kitty litter going, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, and they do not want to cheer her or boo her right now. And that's no. what I, I, I don't. They she was a face what? when she left. She's going to be a face when she comes back.
1: Yeah. And I know she requested to turn heel. Because Roman was like, she said Roman was the inspiration for her to want to try to do heel. And I get that. But with Roman, I think Roman looked at it like, I'm getting booed anyway. Right. So I might as well just play into that and build this heel character that everybody's been wanting me to do anyway, and that half the fans have already been treating me like the heel regardless, so I'm just going to go ahead and do it. For Roman, it was an easy transition for him to be a heel, because half the half the fan base was treating him like one anyway right but with becky no becky's you know she's like austin or the rock it didn't matter what austin or rock did or said they were still going to get cheered you know they're going to blow the roof off the building whatever arena they walked in
0: exactly and that's one of the things see and even if they were to start booing becky um after a while because like with Daniel Bryan, when he came back, I mean, of course, everybody's cheering. And then when yeah. he finally did kind of turn heel, yeah, you know, with, with the hippie Daniel Bryan phase, uh, but that's yeah. best way you put it. People, I mean, they did boo him. I mean, they were booing yeah. him wholeheartedly, but it, it hasn't
1: built <clears throat> up to that. But he was able to just, it was just genius, him turning heel. He was able to just make that turn on a dime and got people, he drew them in and then, got them to hate him, just the flip of a switch. But very few people have that ability to make that turn from face to heel that quick and get people to go along with it.
0: But Roman also understood, and just like Daniel Bryan, well, Roman, the boos were real. They weren't just yeah. doing the care. I mean, they were booing him. And so he's like, you know what? Just make me heal. Ronda Rousey didn't want to do that. She was like, no, I want to be cheered. Uh, yeah, no, sister, doesn't exactly. always work like that.
1: She wanted to be cheered instead of just going into it and been like, okay, you're going to boo me. Then fine. I'm going to be the, you know, then I'll be the bad guy.
0: But Daniel Bryan, right about that time when he, when he became hippie Daniel Bryan, he was having what appeared to be kind of some real life animosity between him and the Miz.
1: Yeah, I'm, I've always wondered how much of that was real. I mean, because that smacking talk, that t- uh, smacking talk, sorry. <laughs> uh, El yeah, has renamed
0: real. it yeah. Smacking Talk. It'll now be Smacking Talk.
1: That talking smack program, uh, promo that they did was, I mean, I was really thinking, I wonder how much of that was real because, I mean, that's the best promo of Miz's life. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and the way Daniel Bryan was, was talking to Miz, it's like, it seems like they've got some real heat.
0: Well, apparently, part of that heat stems from the women they're with. Uh, and this is actually something since I've never watched Total Divas, Total Bellas. I've never watched that at all. I didn't know about this until I was reading about it today. And the Miz, you know, saying something about Daniel Bryan working in bingo halls. I mean, you know that line wasn't scripted. No. No, so but apparently the Bellas, when they were telling they were at one point they were telling Maurice, yeah, hold off for a bigger contract, hold off for a bigger contract, hold off. And then they turned around and sighed. And (laughs) huh?
1: That sounds about right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and they turn around inside, and, and all of a sudden here she was kind of left out in the cold, like, uh, what just happened? So she has some real heat with them, and it kind of extends to Daniel Bryan, of course, being married to Brie, And at one yeah. point it extended to John Cena. <clears throat> and now, of course, it's not a, not with John Cena. Yeah. Uh, but the Bellas, I mean, they've had they've had some heat with a few people as well, but that one. Uh, appears like it's different real life incidents, and in, in it, I don't think it really spilled into the ring as much, though, because
1: Maurice, Not really. Yeah. When all that ha- when all that did happen, you know, Daniel Bryan was, you know, he was the on screen GM. He was retired, so they couldn't really do anything with him and Miz. And once he did come out of retirement, they kind of just another one of those they had this money feud right there in their hand and they just squashed it just to get it out of the way.
0: Right. And I think that could have been a really good feud because, I mean, I know I'm kind of in a minority here, but I actually like the miss. And I mean, I think that he's, I think he's got a, a lot of flack that he doesn't necessarily deserve. Uh, but at the same token, you know, I do see why people don't really care for him.
1: Yeah, I respect The Miz. I have a ton of respect for him because he he has worked hard. You can tell, you can see it in the way he carries himself, his promos, his in-ring work. You know, not everybody not everybody can be a Daniel Bryan level professional wrestler. They right. just not everybody's going to going to have that. There's all different layers to being a pro wrestler. But The Miz has worked hard to build himself into a credible pro wrestler. And I have nothing but respect for The Miz for that. The Miz just has one of those faces that you just want to punch every <laughs> time you
0: see it's just something about your face. It's just,
1: something about his face. I tell my wife that every time I see The Miz, I'm like, I just want to punch him. He has that face. And then the little smirks and stuff that he does. But he's doing his job. He's yeah. you know. He's and, the small heel. He's supposed to make you feel that way. So I applaud him for doing his job.
0: And he has actually one of the best finishing moves out there, I think, and it and it gets overlooked. The skull crushing finale.
1: Skull crushing finale?
0: Yeah, I actually like yeah, it. I mean, I think if that's a move that if you were to somehow if you were in a real fight and all of a sudden you were to get that leg in front, and get him boom, I mean, it could end a fight real quick because you just slam somebody's face into the ground.
1: I do think it looks better. I do think he does it. He makes it look a whole lot better than when Jeff Jarrett was using it when he called it the stroke.
0: That's just a bad name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was a bad name. But, like, but yeah, the the Miz does make it look pretty good. I've just never been a fan of the move, but the execution is good.
0: Yeah. And, and actually, Jeff Jarrett, and he's another one, he's, yeah, he's kind of had his own real life. Um, drama going on with Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Karen Jarrett, Karen used to be Karen Angle.
1: Yep. And the thing with that was that was Jeff's fault because like when Kurt came in and then, you know, him and Karen were still together and then they ended up splitting up. And I think him and Jeff Jarrett had even had a conversation about, you know, basically, you know, don't date my ex-wife. We have to work together, and that's going to make things complicated. And Jeff was like, "Okay," and did it anyway. And then they got married
0: Just went and Big Fat did it anyway. Yep. But that one, I don't well, think really carried too much into the ring, and I don't think it really hurt or helped the business. It was just kind of there. People knew about it.
1: Just, it. Yeah, because I think they were both they were both very professional about it, and they didn't let it. <clears throat> You know, I mean, you could tell there was some animosity, but they still went out and did their job, and they right. didn't let it affect. They didn't let it affect their work, right? I don't and, know if I, I don't know if I would have been able to be that professional, but
0: exactly. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and it kind of brings me back full circle to, I don't really think we answered the question, but then again, I think we might have because it's like, well, is it good for business? In some cases, it's brought the fans in. Other yeah. Cases, yeah, I think it kind of turned fans away from the business yeah. itself.
1: I think, I think for the most part, uh, is it doesn't really do anything for the business when promoters bring in real life animosity between two people. Um, with the exception of like a Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, CM Punk, Jeff Hardy, those two, I feel like actually. Brought, got more eyes on the business, made the titles they were fighting about that that much more important. But the majority of these feuds were just, like you said, were just kind of there. They didn't really, they didn't hurt the business, but they didn't help it either. They just kind of was a cog, and you know, cog in the wheel.
0: Right, and it's, um, and I think another. It also goes back to what I was saying last week about the WWE where they they and by they i mean vince and because he's the one who ultimately approves everything right they have the wrestling to support the stories rather than the stories to support the wrestling right Yeah, the reason why these two people in the ring against each other yep yep so
1: and you can't you can't build like you can't build interesting stories when you're working it that way Because, you know, you're not going to be able to hold people's interest when you're basically working backwards.
0: Exactly. And I think Vince constantly bringing in the real life stuff and even not just real life, personal feuds, because remember, um, well, we already mentioned Reed flair, but when road warrior Hulk, when Mike Eckstrand, when he was going through his substance abuse problems, Yes, they brought that in as part of the storyline. I'm like, man, you're putting that's a pretty personal thing there. And
1: even with Jeff Hardy and Seamus, and this was just a couple years ago,
0: yes, the the whole bar thing,
1: yeah, the whole bar thing. And they brought Jeff's, you know, Jeff's alcoholism and drug use and stuff, and that was like the basis for the feud. And it's like, what sense does that make? You know, is he he's worked hard to get clean and stay clean. And why would you dredge all that up and make him and make him go through all of that? Because, you know, some people have a hard time staying sober. That could have, that could have caused him to relapse because, well, you've got me around, you know, you've got me in these bars and you've got me doing this and that. And it's like, Hey, I might be able to do this and keep it under control. And it's like next thing you know, he's falling off the wagon again. Not saying he did, but I'm right. saying that's possible. You can't, <clears throat> you can't put a recovering addict in those situations, and then get upset when they relapse.
0: Exactly. And one of the things nobody sets out to become an addict.
1: Right. No. You know, and home on the couch one day and decides, I'm gonna be an addict today. This right. is what I'm gonna do with my life.
0: Yeah, it's like, you know what? I think I'm going to go get, go get myself some heroin or some meth.
1: Right. Nobody does that. They, it just you know spirals out of control. And then if you, can, if you can come back from that, then your employer definitely should not be putting you in those situations.
0: Right. And it's not the first time they've done that because they also did it with Scott Hall.
1: They did it with and Scott Hall. They did it with um, Jake the Snake. <clears throat> Jake Roberts. They brought Hawk's um, personal problems. They brought they used it as the basis of a storyline. And it's like, that's just it's just distasteful. It's not that's not something anybody wants to watch.
0: Right. To me, those are not good for business. In fact, those are the kind of disgusting storylines that will drive somebody away from actually watching the business.
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, Those are the things that will make people. That's, that's the kind of stuff that will give wrestling that carny vibe that people don't like.
0: Right. And, you know, so it's good for business. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. You know, I, I think every, every situation is different. Uh, just like every angle is different. Every situation is different. Everything is just situ- kind of like life. Everything is situational yeah you know the same thing happens to you you may be able to handle it a different way from what i would handle it and vice versa right. and that's just right. that's just the way it goes but on that note uh, i do actually have some other news to announce i was actually interviewed today by a non-wrestling podcast uh these these two guys named jamie and john they they were in two different podcasts one is called the the True Crime Cast, in which they were actually on Chris Jericho's podcast uh, bit, about two months ago, I think, but they were actually on his podcast. And so, with the 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 podcast Twitter that we have with Armchair or Booking at Booking Armchair, I followed their True cr- Crime Cast, and then I started listening to it. And they said, and they also have another podcast called "Bless Their Hearts," where they don't talk about crime; they talk about just about anything else. It was, it's almost like guy talk in a way, you know, just, just you know, talking about movies or talk, talk about, you know, sports stuff or whatever. But they said it's kind of their way of decompressing away from the crime stuff, you know, get, get yeah. away from all the dark stuff and let's, uh, yeah. you know, kind of I fresh like air type thing. Yeah. Right. And, and so I followed both of their Twitters. Well, they followed me back. And then one of the guys actually followed uh, Booking Armchair with his personal, that'd be Jamie. He actually followed with his personal tour, And so we actually started corresponding. He said, Hey, do you, you, know, you want to come on the show sometime? I said, sure. He said, yeah, just give me, you know, a topic and we'll go through it. And so I named, I said, okay, this, this is, it. how about sports curses? And he's like, Oh, he said, I like that idea. He said, yeah, give me a list of them and we'll go from there. And so I did. And today we were finally able to do the interview. And as we were starting, getting ready to start the recording of the, today's podcast, uh, they actually had sent me a link saying, Hey, it was, a, we had a good time today. And then I saw the link because I'm also on their Patreon for the true crime cast. They have uploaded the, the podcast, the interview we did today for bless their hearts. Well, they've now uploaded up to the true crime, crime crime, cast on Patreon, which means it'll also show up on bless their hearts in a couple of days for free. So, That's awesome. yep. And so, I mean, I have to say that was a, a pretty good time and, Hopefully, you know, if we do it again, hopefully we can get both of us on there. Yeah, you know, that I think that'd be really cool.
1: oh um, yeah, so, that sounds like fun.
0: Yeah, these guys just seem like kind of like us, just kind of two, just down to earth guys, you know, and they're from Berea, Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, you know, so we knew each other from Hopkinsville and they're they're in Berea. So Yeah. Um but yeah, it was a good time. We got to talk at all about all about sports curses and so something non-wrestling and you know, um, so hopefully everybody would can get a chance to check that out when it when that one does drop uh, i don't want to drop the link yet for us to patreon and if you're not subscribed to the patreon you're not gonna be able to listen to it anyway right Uh, but when the link does drop and they said it should drop on thursday i will actually forward that out to everybody. i will retweet it i'll repost on facebook everything so if anybody ever wants to hear my voice you know great i don't like hearing my own voice but that's just me (laughs) yeah
1: how you it was weird on like recordings and things.
0: Yeah, I'm like, really? I still have that accent. I thought, I, I thought, I dro- no, not that I was trying to drop the accent, but not, being around non Kentucky folks for so long, I thought the accent kind of wasn't as prevalent. But then again, when I get around anybody from Kentucky or North Carolina, just basically seeing family or friends, it comes, <laughs> it comes back with a vengeance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Lee, right now, talking to you, every time we talk, all of a sudden your accent is kind of in, uh, inspire me to, oh, the accent's back again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, and, and as usual, we actually don't have a subject planned for this coming Thursday, or rather Friday morning is when the podcast usually drops, but we always manage to come up with some good ideas on the fly, don't you think, Dwaylon?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, think uh, watching wrestling all our lives has kind of helped that, though. We've got a lot of Ideas just, even if it's not something we're consciously thinking about, we've got a lot of ideas always floating around, so, yeah, right. we usually up with some good topics.
0: And seeing, and actually this is inspiration for today, is actually kind of came from CM Punk returning, and then just thinking about all the personal, like, real personal animosity he's had between himself and Vince McMahon, plus Triple H, and plus a couple other people, then it got me thinking, well, there's been a lot of other cases of real-life personal feuds, so once we get a brainstorm going, we get it going and, and, and it comes in strong. So yeah, either way, interesting topic. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else do it before. So we are the first there. Awesome. So, All right. So until Thursday, I'll be chatting with you. All right.
1: All right, man. God all bless.
0: God bless.